0: It's fake. I say done work waking up, pay me up, nine to five, five to one, one to eight thirty in the morning. Give me five more for my me time. free at work. give me five more for my knees times. I don't even
1: need rhymes. I supplied to them it's giving equations, X's, I'm letting the sentences run active. Like good morning good. and welcome to its relationship. Today my guest is Daryl Harris. She's a education and prevention coordinator at the Advocates in Haley, Idaho. She spent the last 30-odd years doing what she can do to end power-based personal violence. Four years ago, she experienced a bit of a crisis of faith, but her resolve and motivation have been reignited by a promising new program called Green Dot. With this extremely well-researched and meticulous program behind her. She's once again hopeful and determined in her and our power as a community to make a meaningful change and create communities that foster and support healthy relationships, among many other things. When we hear what she actually has on her plate, um, we're all going to want to take a nap because it's it's an incredible load. Um, So welcome, Daryl. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. And um, I want to just start a little bit with your... uh, well, maybe we'll come back to that. I was going to start with your title as coordinator of social change because that seems like an an incredibly large uh, weight to bear. Um, but, But so let's just talk a little bit first about just a brief explanation of what the Green Dot Program is.
0: The Green Dot Program is a violence prevention strategy that was born at the University of Kentucky. And basically, if you visualize a map of our community... And every time someone sexually assaults someone or makes a choice to bully someone or belittles or abuse their partner, a red dot goes up on our map. The Green Dot Program says we want to replace all those red dots with green dots. So a green dot would be standing up when you see somebody being bullied or having a conversation with your neighbor about violence and about how to prevent violence. It's about stopping flaming on Facebook. Another green dot will go up on our map. So we're looking to replace all the red dots with green
1: dots. Okay, you said stopping sense? what on Facebook? Flaming. Okay, I am just <laughs> so behind the times. What is flaming? Flaming is, is continuing a
0: verbal war on Facebook.
1: Okay. I'm probably going to be asking you a lot of these terminology questions. Sad, but, but but true. And maybe there are others out there that are as ignorant as I about that. And I noticed, too, when I was looking at the um, Green Dot website that on the side they have a, a running... Um, uh, switching pictures and quotes of sort of people who have taken action, Green Dot actions. Yes. And I was thinking... It, just down the line because we Daryl and I had spoke before, and we were sort of talking, which we'll talk about later in the show, about how communities actually make and sustain change. And I was visualizing when when I was reading about you know, replacing the red dots with green dots, actually, you know, in today's technology to have some sort of virtual map you know, in advocates up there that people can participate in where you can actually be planting green dots on there, you know, to show the change in the community and the support of the community and some sort of, you know, virtual map. Anyway, that was,
0: that was my idea. I love the idea of a virtual map and getting it out of my head. It's all in my head right yeah. now. Yeah. Although when, the, when we have implemented green dot in certain schools, we do have big – um, bulletin boards up where people can plant their green dot moments. yeah, and sure. it'd be
1: awesome to do that virtually as well, you know, to utilize the media and the social media for yes. for positive change. All right, so um, I want to talk a little bit about what led you to this work.
0: Okay. Well, I was living in Washington state, and I owned a small business, and I knew I wanted to give back somewhere. And the local domestic violence shelter was offering trainings in being an advocate and being um, an advocate for people who are victims of sexual assault. So I took the training, and I at first I just had the statewide hotline patched through to my phone, and I was doing crisis intervention every other weekend. Then I did some more training and became a sexual assault go-out person, which means if there was a sexual assault, I would go to the hospital and meet the target of the violence and walk them through the process.
1: And what led you to sort of pick that area to, to make a change in? Had you had any training prior to that in that field?
0: I had had no training at all. I mean, I have a, I had thought about it a lot with a lot of um, women's studies classes that I took when I was in college, and it was an important issue to me, but I had never actually done anything to make changes, and it was really important to me that I do.
1: And you had told me that that first call sort of cemented your commitment to work in this area.
0: Yes. My very first call after I became a sexual assault go-out advocate, I went to the hospital. I was very nervous. I just so wanted to be effective and do a good job. And I got to the hospital. The police escorted me back to the room where the victim was, and she was 12 years old. And I was totally unprepared. And I totally felt ineffective. I couldn't even breathe. But at the same time, it just cemented my commitment to follow through with this kind of work. I don't want to be living in a culture where this is okay. I want to be part of the change.
1: And you jumped right in. Or you sort of took on one of the most difficult aspects in that field to, to help people. I mean, you sort of kind of got right out there into the trenches.
0: Yes, absolutely. And it's very hard work, and it's very emotionally draining, but it's also very fulfilling and very rewarding.
1: And so as um, the coordinator of social change, what (laughs) is your many role, what are your many roles at The Advocate?
0: First of all, that title is very daunting. Yeah, I know. I was because that's not what I had written down at
1: first. And then when I saw that on the web, I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" Like, no, she's doing much more than education and prevention, social change.
0: (laughs) Well, it's it's actually it's a huge. We encompass a lot at the Advocates, and my job at the Advocates is mostly education. I go to schools and organize community events where we educate people on how to build healthy relationships, but we also are talking about creating cultural shifts where violence and abuse is not okay and and is not tolerated in our community.
1: And you had, um, as I mentioned just at the beginning of the show, you had a bit of a personal crisis four years ago where you had an event occur where you thought, you know, I've been doing this for 25 years, 26 years, am I really making a difference? Has anything changed? What was that like? Exactly,
0: I had another call, another sexual assault go out call. And this time the victim was even younger than the 12 year old I originally saw. So I really really debated, what are we doing? There's so many people doing such hard work in the violence prevention field. And I really wanted to start researching things that work. And what is working? What isn't working? And a coworker and I researched and found Green Dot.
1: So let's talk a little bit about Green Dot because it seems like it really is a, a unique program, and um, I want to talk about the elements that that are that make it different from what was happening before. Um, one part is that you're really after a cultural shift. Yes. We, we, we Just a minor goal there. I know.
0: <laughs> you know, actually, if we really think about it, cultural shifts are not that uncommon. In our lifetimes, we've seen lots of cultural shifts. I mean, the, the, the onset of Facebook, for one, that's been a huge cultural change in a short amount of time. Um, cigarette smoking in public, another huge cultural change. Mothers Against Drunk Drivers, a very small, dedicated group of women getting together and deciding that drinking and driving isn't okay created a huge cultural shift. So it's really not impossible. It's certainly within our realm. And
1: the technology, I was thinking yesterday, I watched a commercial during the Olympics where a little girl was talking to her mom who was working elsewhere, you know, on her iPad. And I thought, you know, when I was a kid, if we saw that, that would have been science fiction. Absolutely. It's
0: changing and it's changing fast. And so Deciding that as a culture, or as even as a small community, we can just stick with our community. Deciding as a small community that violence and abuse is not okay, and that that we're each going to do our part to to stand up and prevent it from happening, is certainly within the realm of possibility.
1: So let's look at the the kind of detailed aspects a little bit of. Green dot, Because that was why it was so appealing to you, because it was so detailed, it was so comprehensive, so well-researched. It was sort of looking at what doesn't work, what hasn't worked, and what works in all areas, not just in this area, but how do you effectuate change? And so some of the, the unique terms I noticed, you, you say power-based violence. Power-based personal violence
0: is a kind of umbrella term for all forms of violence that have a power base to them. Domestic violence, teen dating abuse, sexual assault, child abuse, bullying, that covers all, power-based personal violence covers all those And terms. when you say power-based,
1: what do you mean by that?
0: That means that when, say, for a sexual assault, it's not about sex. Okay. It is about power and control. And same with bullying. <clears throat> and same with
1: domestic violence. And so that's something we want to also address in a different way. Yes. And you use the word target instead of victim as well.
0: I do whenever I can. I really believe that by labeling people a victim, we're kind of setting them up. So people who are the targets of abuse are definitely targets, and we try not to use the word victim if we can help it.
1: And you also have a very specific definition of bullying. Yes,
0: we. I, I, in my opinion, we're overusing this word a lot. I think a lot of behavior that's kind of normal adolescent testing the waters, is being labeled bullying, and that's not really bullying. For it to be bullying, it has to be designed to induce anxiety and fear. It has to be repeated. And it has to have a power imbalance.
1: And so, I, I, and I may be incorrect, but I thought too you had mentioned sort of a systematic element to yes, it. Yes, so it
0: has to be a pattern or or repeated. Yes, repeated. absolutely. It can't be the one time event.
1: Uh, we talked about the very specific definition of bullying and how important that is. And another thing that you had mentioned, Darrell, was interchangeable roles in in bullying.
0: Yes. We tend to label kids either a bully or a bystander or a target. And actually, most of the time, we change roles. They change roles. Sometimes they're the bully, sometimes they're the target, and sometimes they're the bystander. So we try really hard not to label any child or any adult with a certain specific and, and
1: you're label. not in that explanation you're sort of talking about the same children yes. and maybe even within their relationship may change but maybe the person who's a target in a particular relationship then they may be the quote-unquote bully to someone else when the opportunity arises so
0: absolutely and this and it's really important that we kind of get away from those labels as much as possible
1: and look at the actions instead absolutely. the behaviors and and you um I had mentioned that there's also a a critical, a crucial point that you feel to reach these kids um, prior to them identifying with a particular role. Would you mind explaining that a little bit? I'm not really sure what you mean. Okay, so you had said that there's a time when a child will, and I think this was primarily, well, I think both with the bully or the target, that they start to identify themselves as (sighs) that label. That, oh, I am a victim or I am a bully. And that it would be a goal of the project to kind of get to kids and and intercede prior to that.
0: Yes, the the thing is is there's not a I can't look at a situation and tell you an exact time, but I can say that by starting as early as possible, I would say kindergarten, and talking about the dynamics of bullying and what is and isn't okay behavior, and teaching empathy, and teaching kindness. I think all those things. The earlier we start, the more we're going to prevent it from. Manifesting in the future,
1: and what's the shift that takes place once a child or a person starts identifying with a label?
0: Unfortunately, if if they say they label themselves as a victim, they constantly are treating their own, their own selves as a victim. They're stepping back. They're not including themselves in situations where they could possibly be including themselves. So it's a really tough thing to get away from once you have that label.
1: So it, for instance, if you're working with a set of girls and maybe that has been the dynamic prior and the girls who had been carrying on the bullying behavior are trying to shift and maybe being nice to this child and treating her differently the person who has identified with that label what how will they behave in that situation
0: well like i said they won't include themselves they'll stand back they they believe that they're not going to be included so they kind of do a preventative thing and step back and that's and even when the other group is being more welcoming. It's a really tough role to break, and it's really hard to rebuild self-esteem once it's been shattered.
1: Because then, even though the, the other person in the in the dance is trying to stop, this person keeps doing it. Yes, and may exactly. even find someone new. To to behave to them in that manner because they're still doing that same dance.
0: Absolutely, and
1: so that's why we have to be
0: so careful about labeling labeling kids. And same with bullying. When if you've been labeled a bully, it's really hard to unlabel yourself as a bully. And that's a really that's something that we really need to be focusing on. And
1: how is it, important is it to really dissect and and pull apart the the behaviors so that kids know what it is to be a target and what it is to be bullying and really understand. What those elements and behaviors look like? We talk a lot about observable behaviors with bullying
0: situations, with teen dating abuse, with domestic violence. Observable behaviors are are something that we can teach bystanders. So when they they know when someone is in harm's way, or they know when someone's about to be bullied, and they can step in. So we talk a lot about what is observable behavior where we would say, "Oh boy, something's going to happen here." It's really important that we label all those. Behaviors behaviors and that we can recognize them
1: and you mentioned um just briefly that bystanders and that is one of the unique key elements of this program how do that does how do bystanders fit in
0: this is that's why we love this program so much it's such it all the research is saying that this is how we're going to end bullying, where how we're going to end teen dating abuse and domestic violence and sexual assault, is by empowering bystanders. Most of us are not violent, and most of us aren't the targets of violence. Most of us are bystanders to violence. And if we can teach bystanders how to, first of all, recognize dangerous behavior, and then secondly, how to step in in a safe way, we will do a lot to reducing violence and abuse.
1: And would you mind just sharing a few of examples? I know over at the, the high school, you've been... Uh, training the kids so for a bystander know there are little many options some more direct and less direct what would be the options for a bystander in a particular situation
0: Well we talk about the 3ds which are distract direct or delegate so you can be direct if in a bullying situation say as a bystander you if you feel safe you can be direct and step right in there and confront the situation you can either remove the target or talk to the bully. Or you can delegate, you can look around you and say, hey, are you guys witnessing what I'm seeing? So someone go get the principal or someone, um, let's all go together and confront this bully and tell him this isn't okay. Or you can you can be distract, you can, I have a great story. I had some eighth graders doing some scenarios and they had written a scenario where a bully named Jake was picking on a younger kid And the bully had taken the kid's backpack and thrown everything all over the place. And so I looked at the kids and I said, "Okay, as a bystander, what is something you could do to stop this one act of bullying? And I had a boy in the front row stand up and say, well, I would just look at Jake and say, hey, your mom's looking for you, (laughs) which is a great example of distracting from the situation. Then the kids, if we give them those options, they can come up with a million ways to do it.
1: And and have fun doing it and being creative, and they're going to stick in their brains much more than sort of the rote things of you. So we kind of came out of the 80s with, you know, the war on drugs. We do a
0: lot of role-playing and a lot of scenarios. It's, real, it's fun, and it's something that sticks in their brain. And
1: there are even actions that the kids can take that are not... Involved in any way where they don't have to talk to anyone. I know you had mentioned an idea where they can just drop their books or make a loud noise. Absolutely. Absolutely. In the background, so that they don't
0: even have to really be participating. Exactly. And that's an example of distracting. You can distract from the situation without even anybody realizing that you're doing that. And that's what's so beautiful about this whole program.
1: And that's empowering for the bystanders as well to have some tools and know how to get involved? Because a lot of times I think people may want to and they don't know what to do or they're afraid to. So many people say to me, I would have loved to have, I've had this situation
0: and I wanted to step in. I just didn't know what to do. So giving people the tools and then letting them come up with a million different ways to intervene in many situations is going to be what empowers them to stand up next time.
1: And are there also training for the target to learn how to empower themselves and be more empowered in a situation we do do some of that training but as far as the green dots
0: we're focusing entirely on the bystanders it's
1: focused entirely on the bystanders i wasn't aware of that that's fantastic so let's talk a little bit about it was created at the university of kentucky um, by dorothy edwards had a sort of similar story to yours she just wondered am i making a difference i've been working at this and decided to really go to something that was research based and how can i prevent this and the site It says, power-based personal violence happens to such a staggering degree that the only workable solution must involve a broad-based, good old-fashioned social movement. Each significant stride in human rights has been fueled by and built upon a social movement consisting of enough individuals simply raising their voices saying, this is no longer acceptable. Today is the day we reclaim our fundamental right to something better. One green dot at a time. This is our moment in history to reclaim our right to live free of violence and fear of violence. So it is great. And it is what you said, a complete shift on focus and the cultural change. Yes. We want to empower bystanders. We envision a community of
0: active, engaged people who are committed to the idea that they want to live in a community violence-free and that are each willing to do their part to make that happen.
1: And do you believe if that changes, does it matter, sort of, why people were? exhibiting and target behavior you feeling like victims does it matter why the perpetrator was being aggressive or violent or feeling they needed to exert power on someone else no because i think
0: because i think when their peers and their whole community is standing against it i think that will cause behavior change and i really believe that And i don't think it matters why i think it matters that we're saying this is unacceptable behavior and we won't tolerate it
1: And do you think? I mean, I'm asking you to be a genie in the bottle right now, but just I'm sort of thinking, you know, when we have toddlers and they're kicking something, and you sort of say, "Well, you can't kick that, but you can do this," right? Because they they have this feeling or this aggression or something that they're needing to express. I think it's 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 bigger than that, and I think a lot of
0: adolescent behavior, like the, the testing of the waters, like I talked about, the kicking something, that's normal growing up behavior. That's like, what if, What will happen if I push this person out of the swing? That's not, we're not worried about that. That's what happens. And that's
1: part of all growing up. And so what about those kids that are the perpetrators that are violent? Does that get just hidden? Does it get come out in other ways, or hopefully more productive ways, or is that something we have to wait and see? Well, I, personally, I this is a tough one. Because you've been but in I, it for 30 years. I have,
0: but I do believe that violence is a learned behavior. And so I think we can unlearn that behavior. And I think if we are all modeling the behavior that we'd like to see, I think people will...
1: They'll learn suit. that as well, that Absolutely. this is what I can do instead. Yes, Absolutely. I'm having this feeling, I feel this way, but instead of doing this, here yes. are some, some positive yes. things, without even having to teach each person, Exactly, because it's, a, as you say, a cultural shift, and we all adapt. And when we're talking about personal power-based personal violence, we're talking
0: about, I mean, say, and this is kind of a stereotype, but if a man is abusing his wife, he goes to work, he's not abusing his coworkers. It is a behavior designed to control somebody else, and he can obviously control it because it doesn't happen outside the home home. So I think it's really important that we understand it is a learned behavior and we can unlearn it and we can fix it.
1: It's a learned behavior and we can fix it. And we do this by modeling the other. What are some of the elements of the community based program? So how do how do we start to make that shift? What what is Green Dot? What's what's what are they starting with? Well with with Green Dot, the first part of the training
0: is is just Getting the participants to connect to the issue. This is a tough issue. People don't want to talk about it. It's not sexy. It's not fun. And it can be challenging to talk about this. So the first part of the the whole training is to get people engaged in the idea that this issue affects us all. Power-based personal violence influences and affects our whole community. And when we're always, I'm always amazed at when we have people write a connection slip which means they we have them write down on a piece of paper their personal connection to this these ideas and this issue and I'm always amazed at how many people have had profound experiences with power-based personal violence so that's the first part of the training the second part of the training is is Talking about our responsibility, do we have a responsibility as a person in a school, to our school, to our neighborhood, to our community, to stand up when we see somebody being harmed? And we all have different degrees. We all – what I'm finding with the students, especially, is that they do feel like we do have a responsibility. That responsibility varies person to person. The line that they cross to step in and stand up for somebody is different, and that's okay. But the fact that the bottom line is most of us feel that we have a responsibility to our community to keep people safe.
1: And do you feel that um, varies in between cultures? And would, do you feel like our culture is on the the more positive side of that and getting involved or our in the western less, culture? our western culture mm, yeah i do I, I don't know
0: about other cultures mm-hmm. exactly but mm-hmm. i do know that most of us feel that we have a responsibility to look out for each other
1: and do you think that over the 30 years of you working in it has that evolved i mean i think back I guess what was it the seventies when that gal was in New York City and Kitty Genovese, um, Kitty Genovese yes. and was was repeatedly stabbed and was banging on doors and you know no one no one everyone thought well someone else will do something or they didn't want to get involved and I don't think that that was apathy I really
0: don't I feel that the research says I mean that prompted a ton a of huge great research shift. yes and so we, there's a lot of there's volumes of Research on bystander dynamics and why people behave the way they do when they're a bystander in certain situations, and I think there's a lot of theories about why we do what we do. But the bottom line is, I still think, and I think that even then, they all felt like they wanted to do something, but were looking around to see what anybody else was and, doing, and they
1: were fearful and they didn't know yes. what to do or how to do all the we're elements. They bring somebody in had stepped had done in something. Mm-hmm. When they interviewed him, they were all, they had all said that absolutely. And who is at risk? Everybody. Everyone. Yes. When we talk
0: about power-based personal violence, it's not about – there's no one group that's overrepresented. I mean, it doesn't matter what socioeconomic status you are, what religion you are, how much education you've had, what ethnicity you are. None of that matters. Every It's equally represented across the board.
1: We're both nervous, and I'm making – she's making me more nervous. I'm making her more nervous. <laughs> we had to take a break. We're all, we are shook it off. Now we're all calm. Start by reading – um, another little bit of information that was posted on the Green Dot website it says, finally, in contrast to historical approaches to violence prevention that are focused on victims and perpetrators, the Green Dot, etc. strategy is predicated on the belief that individual safety is a community responsibility and shifts the lens away from victims, perpetrators and onto bystanders. The overarching goal is to mobilize a force of engaged and proactive bystanders. And we're going to learn in just a moment how Green Dot and uh, (laughs) Daryl and the advocates do that. Uh, Daryl had mentioned before the break that this is something that affects all of us. And even if not directly, you know, I I think back when they have a, a bill trying to get funds for education and people that don't have kids or they have kids out of education say, oh, you know, well, why should I want to pay that extra property tax? Well, because it affects us all. It's beneficial for everyone to have an educated populace. It's beneficial for everyone to have a community that's filled with healthy relationships. And you had mentioned when we met before that the teens and tweens are very clear on what makes an unhealthy relationships, what the elements are. But you said they really don't know what the elements of a healthy relationship are
0: yes and that's why we're putting such a big focus on on the components of healthy relationship what does a healthy relationship look look like sound like feel like and it's really important that we get those messages across to students, They can tell you all the components of an unhealthy relationship and what it looks like, but have difficulty describing a healthy relationship. So that's we're f- what and we're And
1: what are some on. of the primary elements in a healthy relationship?
0: Well, the usual is respect, honesty, trust, communication, mutual space, individuality, equality, safety. All those things are important.
1: And talk a little bit about mutual space, because that was the only one when you were running the list. I thought, now what does that mean exactly? That's not typically one of the ones in there. How does that well, That's
0: an important one, especially for when I'm working with teenagers, because new relationships, young relationships can be so all consuming. And it's really important that we maintain our own individual space. In our relationship so that we're supportive of each other's goals and activities.
1: And you gave a great example and I think this one came up when we were talking about you know anyone being at risk because I said well what about somebody that you know they have great behavior modeled at home they are very self confident usually we think oh it's somebody that doesn't have self confidence or doesn't isn't been treated well other places are not treating themselves well that allows this to happen and you said oh no it could be someone who is popular and who has confident and doing well in school and that maybe those they stop having Sunday dinner with their family because the boyfriend wants to be with them.
0: Exactly. Abuse, power, and control can be very insidious. And you can take the healthiest person in the world and put them in a relationship and it's slow and it's subtle and people don't even realize it's happening often until they're pretty deeply into it. The
1: person it's happening to or yes. the people around them? The Who tends around, to see it first? It's
0: to. Um, people around them. And, and then, but but They're not always open. The target of that kind of abuse is not always open to hearing it.
1: And so how the programs, you know, the research had showed that education programs don't work. What works? Empowerment works. And so you set off to create opinion leaders, diffusion of innovation, social diffusion theory, bystander literature. You have a whole bunch of stuff on there that can sound a little intimidating, but when you go underneath, it's pretty... Basic element. You know,
0: I actually, I actually kind of disagree because I do believe that education programs work. I really do, and I believe that you know all the the work that people are doing around the world for violence prevention they all work in some way. Awareness programs work, but we want to find something that we can we can see sustainable change, and that's the most important part of this. Awareness programs are great. I mean, I years ago I was in a fourth grade classroom talking about. What we do with the advocates and talking about our shelter. And that night, a fourth grade boy brought his mother to shelter. So, Uh those kinds of programs can be incredibly effective. But we would like to look on a bigger scale now, and just even the bigger scale of our gorgeous valley, and empower and engage bystanders to help us make. A compassionate community
1: so walk us through the program and as far as the implementation let's say you're gonna go into a school and work with the kids there
0: yes we the first thing we do is identify what we call early adopters and we do that through a survey of all the students and we are we are looking for students who are not necessarily the most popular but who are kind of movers and shakers and who people look to for advice or for fashion ideas or who's listening to the coolest new music or whatever it may be And we identify them and ask them if they would like to do the training. And so far, we've been very successful. We'd like to keep it around 30 students per training. And then we do do a five-hour training with those students and then release them back into the school where they can hopefully start influencing others and saying, you really should do this Green Dot training, and here's what we learned and spreading the word
1: and so it becomes viral like it, you're Hopefully. modeling after yes, social media exactly. you're taking maybe some tool that <laughs> had been used for the bad before and and adopting the the same technique and also the same sort of uh, messaging and terminology right yes exactly who, who are you had mentioned that you have the early adopters and then you have the etcs well the et- the
0: et cetera as we call them the, actually those are our student interns we have a grant that we we've hired eight student Teenage, they're all in, um, from Wood River. We would love to expand to other schools if anybody else is interested, who are have a paid position at the Advocates who are working with us on our programming and our, especially our teen implementation, what we're doing with teens.
1: And how important is it to use the language that is
0: of the teens so important. I mean, we've got to face that I am getting old. I am kind of. I'm, I didn't know what I'm flaming was. <laughs> I am kind of out of it, and they've been amazing at helping us. Saying, "You know, that's not going to work." That's and even I was all excited about having a Facebook page, and that's even kind of on the way on out. The out. So, so I am learning as just as much from them, as and they it are shifts from us.
1: so quickly.
0: Oh, absolutely, yes. And with this internship program, I am we're learning a ton from them, but we're also. Um, giving them training so hopefully that they can go out and spread the the work that we're doing and then hopefully also uh, use it to apply for jobs and and college applications later.
1: So you have the early adopters and they come and do the training. They go out and they get more kids to come in and yes. do the training. Yes. And then what – is the relationship with the school and with the other students and, and with the administration in the schools?
0: The administration in all the schools in, in Wood River Valley have been amazing. And then even the surrounding counties. We've gotten a lot of buy-in from the administration. It's challenging to get that much time with students. We were taking away from teacher time, which is very challenging. And do they but,
1: do, do the administrators need to be trained? Do the teachers and administrators need to be trained, or is this coming just from the kids?
0: So far it's coming just from the kids, but we but we are do we've done a training. We did a training for teachers at community school and we were doing um, trainings for all the ninth graders coming up at the community school so And we've also applied to do some of the teacher in-services. So we're hoping to get, if we can get the teachers to also buy into the program, I think they're going to be modeling the behavior we'd like the students to see. And then also encouraging the students to continue that kind of behavior. And is
1: that sort of the crux of the program to get the early adopters and then the next set of kids who come and train to be leaders to model the program? Yes, and are there any other elements, or is that really the the basis, that you train the kids and send them back into the community? We train
0: them, but we train them in a lot of, you know, like I said, we train them in, in personal responsibility, in their personal commitment to the idea. We also, um, we have... We do The training is five hours, so we have a lot of training. We also teach them to understand observable behaviors, what they can see that will help them intervene. We also teach them that there's a personal and social cost to standing up often.
1: So let's talk about that, what the barriers to standing up are and what are the observable behaviors and, and sort of when to do what.
0: Well, observable behaviors are challenging and we go, we spend a lot of time on this because especially in new relationships, texting someone a zillion times a day can be part of a healthy relationship, especially if it's new. It also can be a sign, a warning sign of issues. So we talk about all those things and how do you know when to step in? And what we suggest is that first of all, look at it through the lens of a bystander and they say, this could be a problem, and I think I'll just check in and make sure everything's okay. And we also say, ask them to look at it like, what if this were a loved one in this situation? Would you want somebody else to step in? So we talk a long time about observable behaviors, and then we talk a lot about barriers. I mean, there's certain times you just can't stand up, and that's okay.
1: And you had said that, too, you know, even just they can be so subtle, the behaviors, it could be eye rolling, which you just did, you know, and you made it and rolled your eyes and that sometimes like a child will walk into a class and a number of the kids will do that.
0: Absolutely. And that's the really tough part. And that's why I mean, for teachers or for parents or whoever authority is around this situation often don't see those kind of subtle especially bullying behaviors and so it's important that we teach students to see that
1: and do the students get it right away oh, i yes, mean they absolutely. are they really the oh, 5 yeah. hours is more kind of to put a light around it and pay attention but they notice it already absolutely
0: they already know absolutely and
1: and so barriers how do they get broken down? The bar- What are the barriers to acting and how do they get broken down with the program?
0: Well, there's a social cost often, especially in let's take bullying again, where if you stand up against a bully, you could be the next target. So it's very important that we recognize that and that we talk about that. There's also personal barriers. People sometimes are just too shy or sometimes really, really don't want to be Hate conflict, whatever the reason may be, we understand that there are barriers. Not all of us are going to stand up every time, but and uh, that's okay, and that's fine, of course we uh, but we but when you can, using the tools that we give you, if you stand up when you can, it's going to make a difference.
1: And do you check back in with these kids? Uh, do you notice, is there anywhere to monitor how their behavior within the school and those circumstances has changed? You
0: know, there's not a way to monitor, but we do monthly check-ins with the kids who have been trained, and um, we, we talk about issues that they've had or problems that may come up for them, and we address them. And I think that... I'd like to see more and more students trained. We've trained a handful of students in every high school now and, and in Wendell and in Bliss and in Hagerman. And I'm, we're hoping to go back and, retrain more and more students.
1: And it seems like, you know, it's fantastic to hear that you're checking in and checking back every month because I would think that sustainability would be one of the major challenges. You know, you don't want to be something that, oh, yeah, green dot, hooray, everyone wear your green dots, do something nice. And then the next week or month or year... It's faded away.
0: Absolutely, and that's the challenge. I mean, we've seen some wonderful programs come and go. So the goal and the, and the challenge is to how do we sustain Green Dot? How do we keep people involved and excited about this idea? And I think the only thing we can do is just keep plugging away at it. We're going to have community events this summer. We're going to keep training students, and we're going to keep it in the forefront as much as we can.
1: And with anything, you know, look at the, the viral YouTubes or something that – It's hard to really figure out what one's going to go, but then once it does, you can sort of see why it did, and that's something that is effective and working and really making changes and that people are benefiting from, it's going to take off and and stay there. Exactly, and
0: I think when people start seeing the culture that they actually can create, that it is within their power to create a compassionate community, and I think when they start seeing results of their behavior, I think it'll be motivating and hopefully We'll continue.
1: All right. Well, we're going to take a short break. This is Ellie Newman on It's Relationship, and I'm here with Daryl Harris, and we will be right back. All right. We're back. This is Ellie Newman on It's Relationship. I'm here with Daryl Harris. We've been talking about the Green Dot program and how it's being implemented in our schools and community. We mentioned briefly that one of the major challenges is sustainability. I also wondered, uh, Daryl, how important is it to get sort of family involvement?
0: I think it's really important and I think it's but it's equally as important to get community involvement. I think as lo, all of us need to be on the same page and families need to understand what we're doing with their students in school so that they can reinforce it at home.
1: And how about in a particular situation where there is uh, something going on a negative behavior going on do the families need to get involved can it be solved just among the bystander the kid and the, the other child it certainly can and i really
0: encourage that as much as possible as long as no one's getting horribly hurt i mean then we definitely have to you intervene. think it's more effective
1: but i think to it's be much more level. effective
0: for the students to handle it among each other for sure
1: and, and because that way they are empowered?
0: Yes, absolutely. They are empowered. They know better than us what actually is happening, for one thing. And then secondly, they know how to intervene effectively. They, once we give them the tools and some ideas about how to intervene safely and effectively, they're going to run with it.
1: That's fantastic. And so the advocates is the organization that you work for and yes. that you are operating the green dot program under. What what is the mission of the advocates?
0: Our our mission is to teach people of all ages to build
1: and maintain healthy relationships. And you also do some crisis management, just a little bit, I think, and su- and support. Yes. And you have three main areas uh, under the umbrella of the advocates. So what what are those? We
0: do. We have we have kind of the primary, secondary, and tertiary areas. Whoops, that we that we focus on. So our primary area is is prevention and education and hopefully preventing abuse and violence before it ever happens. That's our education programs and our cultural change programs. And then we have the tertiary um, section that is the shelter and violence intervention or a sexual assault go out. People can come to the shelter. And then when they come to shelter, they work the program there. <clears throat> and that's definitely trying to intervene in someone's violent past and helping them regain their life. And then we have transition and support where people can, we help people move away from violence or um, teach them how to not get in a violent relationship or to recognize the warning signs of abuse as they come. So we have a lot of areas and we're hopefully covering it all.
1: You've got almost 30 programs. Yes, Isn't that we, have all,
0: yes, we, yes we do.
1: And you're very focused on on actually making change happen. Absolutely. So other than just being a safe place where people can come, you're trying to, to shift something while they're there and yes. support them in doing that. And in all sorts of ways. You've got trainings, you're teaching people how to interview for for jobs. We
0: have a Skills for Success program that's been an amazing. It's an employability program that's been amazing. And it either it helps people find jobs or helps people improve their job situation. I mean, that's an important part of getting away from violence is being able to support yourself. And we and we have so many programs that we're running and they're they're all really effective and we're working from crisis intervention to prevention, so we're covering all the bases.
1: And the shelters typically full. Pretty full,
0: yes. We're we're all
1: we always have somebody in you shelter. Yes. Somebody in. And how? Often are people coming back how how challenging is it to really effectuate change? you know it's very challenging
0: and it's there's it's, the dynamics are difficult and it's not easy and but we have people and we do have returning people coming to shelter but we know that we've planted a seed we feel very confident that even if they come back three times that the third time may be the time that they have finally decided that they are capable of It's hard to make violence. a change
1: in any, any area of our Absolutely. lives and, the, and with especially if we're in a situation where there's not much support around us or we're going back into the same environment.
0: Yes, exactly. To do something different. I mean we have legal assistance, we have housing assistance, we have we have we really work hard on giving them all the support that they're gonna possibly need. And we're always there.
1: And within the community what do you need from the community so there you all are and you're giving out and for this to work i mean the main thing you said sort of throughout is for this to work it's about shifting the community and for that to happen the community really has to participate yes knowingly or not right maybe we'll sort of be around us so much that it just starts to shift but what 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 role do do the people in the community play or can they
0: play well uh, what we'd like to see is a community of committed, engaged bystanders, for one thing, that that are saying, this is not okay in my community, and I'm going to do my part to end it or to stop it or to reduce the amount of violence that's happening. And if I need to get training, I'll do that. Whatever it takes to, to engage our entire community in the idea that this is
1: possible. That, and and for that to happen, it really has to be a priority, doesn't it? I mean, it sort of it has does. to be this takes precedent over anything else. So if this is happening, we stop whatever else we're doing yes. and we deal with this first because this matters. Exactly. Violence
0: and abuse are not inevitable. We can stop them. I feel very confident that we can stop them. And, as, and if we can get people to – this is a tough issue, like I said, it and addressing this issue is not easy. But – Talking about it, getting – making it okay to talk about it even is the first step in changing our community's ideas about what we can do.
1: And we still have that mentality around that sort of, oh, this is part – the bullying is part of natural children's behavior and you got to just be tough and – but the reality is you can talk to people who were bullied 30, 40 years ago and it's like it was yesterday. Absolutely. Even if they've been incredibly successful in their lives.
0: I don't think we get to say that anymore. Bullying is not a rite of passage. It's definitely something that we can we can do something about. All these things, I mean, I was just reading a study about teen dating abuse, which is actually epidemic. And a lot of researchers are saying it's the number one health concern in our country. And and that may or may not be true, but what I do know is it's the one health Concern that we can do something about by engaging, educating our community.
1: Our education and our sports teams and Absolutely. everyone else to say, no, this isn't all right. Yes. I mean, buttons, definitely need buttons. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and so how difficult is it to get the word out to the community? It can be challenging.
0: I mean, I'm still always amazed at how many people I run into that really don't even know what we're doing, that don't know all the all the areas that we have – that we're diving into right now. So I think – it's challenging, but we're doing our best. We're out there every day trying to educate the community, educating our students. We put a big focus on students, and in the surrounding four counties too, trying to just spread the word and spread the message that we're here, and that we're willing to do trainings for anybody who's interested, any organization, agency, school that's interested in learning about what we're doing.
1: And you are running an incredibly impressive. Machine. It's, you it's guys have researched. Yes. You're yes. intentional. You have looked at all the elements. You are very specific, absolutely, and you are you know you you know what your path is. It and you are walking down it with intentionality. I mean, it's really impressive. Thank you. And yes. you're you're running as a new economy model as well. Absolutely. You're sharing resources. So just a little bit about who you're collaborating with in in the larger community. Oh my
0: gosh, We're, we we do a lot of collaborating
1: with St. Luke's with CSI,
0: with the animal shelter. I mean, we have one of the only shelters that where you can bring your animal to shelter with you and the animal shelter in our valley helps us with that we collaborate with as we reach out it's part of our strategic plan to reach out more and more to as many entities as we can we're reaching out and collaborating with all the schools in our area and doing a lot of work with them we're we're trying to bring dorothy edwards to town in october the creator of green dot And we've had a lot of schools saying yes let's do that we can help with that
1: and is green dot an evolving program is it still sort of changing and growing it is kind of
0: changing and growing. It's relatively new. It's 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 young, it's in its infancy, and it's really spreading. I mean, almost every college in the United States now is implementing a Green Dot program. It's so incredible. our kids who are graduating from here will be going to a college that probably will have a Green Dot program in place.
1: And they all are focused as well, the the entire Green Dot program, on the bystanders.
0: Yes, 100%. It's a very strict protocol to implementing it. They're trying to keep the research clean. So whoever is implementing it and calling it Green Dot is following protocol.
1: And and so it's not in the elementary schools yet. No,
0: or w- or middle
1: schools. Or middle schools. Are they headed that way?
0: Yes, I'm hoping this in April to go back and do another training on on doing Green Dot in middle schools. So and then and then after that will be elementary schools.
1: And do any of the early adopters? Did they then get involved in training of kids that come along next?
0: Yes, absolutely. And that's what we've done with the etceteras. The etceteras, by the way, is an acronym for every teen has a choice. So we we have. The et cetera's that work with us have been coming to our green dot trainings and help us implement them and with other students.
1: And how do you keep I mean, you maybe haven't figured out this piece yet. How do you keep the momentum going and how you keep it from getting I'd say dorky, but, you know, sort of where it's just um, words, you know, where it's just oh, yes. yeah, it's just talk instead of a real thing.
0: Everyone I work with at the advocates feels very passionately about what we're doing. And we're all constantly researching or saying, "Hey, this is a new program and it's doing wonders in this area. So let's let's look into it and see what we can do." There's constant we're constantly evolving and constantly changing. And although we have a strategic plan in place that we're implementing, we're open to all new ideas that come in. So it, we keep it keeps exciting. We're excited and we're motivated.
1: And will the kids in the program so I'm just thinking sustainability are you going to have to sort of keep training kids as those kids graduate are you gonna then Absolutely. every year you'll ha- you'll train the next? Our goal is to grade. educate
0: every freshman. Okay. And do a training a green dot training for every single freshman, and we're gonna be doing that at the community school, and we're gonna be doing that at Wood River. So, and we'd like to get every school and at Sage School. So we're we'd like to get every school to have us come in and do a training with every single ninth grader.
1: And and what how do the kids refer to it? I mean, do they call it green dot? They do they it call dot. it bystander? I mean, are they what are they? Focused on the, they the call elements. it Green Dot, and it's when I get feedback from the students, what they really like,
0: they love doing the role plays, and they love walking out of there really feeling confident that they have the tools to safely intervene when they see a situation where someone's in harm's way.
1: And do they report back when they've done it? Oh, I mean, absolutely. You we, get, we get
0: phone calls all the time, Feedback. and then we also check our boards at every school to see if who's done what and what Green Dots have been happening. And so
1: that's actually part of the program, that they are recording what they've done. Oh, yes, done. absolutely. I wasn't sure about that. And,
0: and we're, we're starting a Facebook page. We're starting a Twitter account just for Blaine County
1: Green you Dot We so you know need Instagram. I know that. We need
0: Instagram. I know.
1: And so there's a there's a communication loop yes. between the kids yes. and with the the program. Absolutely. And they, they keep that focused. Uh-huh. And so I had asked you this when we met before. Um, what would make you feel that you've made a change? Because we talked about, you know, those two big events in your life that made you feel like, one, I first of all have to do this and committed to it. And then four years ago where you felt like, what have I been doing? Is this making right. a difference?
0: You know, I think, and, and honestly, the bottom line is, is when we, when the numbers of phone call, we f- takes, an average of 63 phone calls a day asking for assistance at the Advocates. When our phone calls are reduced, when police are not bringing survivors of violence to our door, when St. Luke's doesn't call us anymore and say there's been a sexual assault. <laughs> so it's got to be so, at zero. I mean, like, you're a zero, not going to be... See a, I'll say when we see a reduction, a reduction in the numbers. Or parents calling and saying, my child's being bullied. Or teens calling us and saying, you know, I think I'm in an abusive relationship. Can you help me define this? When our numbers go down, when those phone calls stop, start going Declining. down, we will know.
1: And And personally, you know, just... You you know, when you described just your initial meeting, and I think of the emotional toll that's got to take on you and the feelings of frustration and powerlessness on your part and then to feel that things weren't really changing. How do you deal with that on a day-by-day basis?
0: Well, you know, and we talk about this a lot. We have a great supportive group at The Advocates that we – meet weekly and we talk about things so a a lot of it is off our chest with our group
1: you guys are actually walking the walk you're you're doing the things that you say are parts of healthy supportive relationships fostering healthy relationships you say of course you are daryl but sadly that is not typically the case or very often the case so it's a great group you should be really proud of yourselves. we
0: are and it's a wonderful group and i and the way i do it is i always know even if it didn't if a program we implemented wasn't successful, I know we've planted seeds. So if this person stays in an abusive relationship, I know the seed is there and they do know there's help and they do know they can get it. So and that that's and they'll making eventually a difference. take advantage of it.
1: And you have shifted a little bit recently in your role there. You were. Doing intake or some sort of right. direct I worked directly, directly, directly
0: with, clients with clients in the shelter. My office was in the shelter, and I did case management with clients and crisis intervention. And that shifted clients. a little bit. And now, yeah, I don't do that so much anymore. I have a few, I get to see a few, but mostly we're focusing, I'm focusing all our energy on education and prevention. And is that
1: making it easier or more challenging to go back every day?
0: Oh, good question. Um, it's not easier. And it's, it's nice, not more right? challenge; It's just challenging. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was worried about giving up the direct contact with clients because I think that keeps me really grounded. But I'm liking the education and the possibilities. I feel I'm excited about what we could be doing.
1: Well, thank you so much, Daryl, for joining us today. Thank it you. It was a wonderful experience to be able to talk about your program and talk about what the advocates are doing, and I hope you'll come back someday soon. I will. Thank you. <laughs> okay.
0: For all my people For all my people Check I write this today So when World War 3 starts I can look back and know what I was thinking I was thinking